0: Welcome to CowCast episode 34, Shop Talk. All right, welcome back students and today in class we're going to talk about what, James? Supply chain procurement. All right, so I'm Eric. I am James. And uh, we've got a couple of questions that came in from uh, Kyle over at comics for fun and profit uh, specifically related to Funko pops and some of the ordering pieces that go with it and we decided that what we wanted to do was kind of expand that topic a little bit and dig into more than just Funko so uh, as most listeners know uh, if you've been to a comic shop recently uh, or listened to other podcasts you'll you'll hear that there's and listen our podcast for that matter you'll know that there's many different pieces that kind of make the comic shop or most comic shops work. It's not just comic books and trades. It's also different types of merchandise. Uh, for us, obviously, it's a wide array of pop culture um, items that tie in different action figures, uh, including Funko Pops and other things, as well as different types of uh, gaming and media. So basically, what we kind of wanted to do was center this discussion around questions about ordering, and different pieces that go within that. So uh, what do you think, James? Do you want to start with Funko right off the bat?
1: Yeah, We well, we can tie a bunch of things together. Um, the question that we got about Funko, did you want to read the question? you want to read that?
0: Yeah, well, so basically there was a question that was posed about looking for a specific pop and then a specific Funko pop chase... Items. So for those that aren't familiar with Funko Pops, they're kind of chibi style, uh, little desktop knickknacks that stand about four inches. This and
1: they don't know what they are, I'd be shocked.
0: <laughs> well, just in case. They're about four I mean, inches tall. Even if you don't like them. Right? Big they're square everywhere. heads. You see them everywhere. They're in Walmart, Walgreens, Target, Hot Topic, yep. you name it. So anyways, the question was... I have the um,
1: gas stations sell them. I've seen them at serious? gas st- Yeah, dead
0: serious. Oh, jeez. Well, anyways, Funko Pops, obviously everyone knows what they are. <laughs> um, Maybe <laughs> So So the question was um, Kyle's looking for a specific one Asking if we can order it, which we could And then there's also the potential for a chase variant one mm-hmm. And there's different thresholds And so I kind of said, you know what, what would you like to know about this? And he fired off a couple of questions saying uh, Do the chase ones come in blind? Is there an exclusive structure? Do we need to pre-order them? Uh, can we guarantee certain ones? All those different pieces So there's kind of a lot of questions just about it And I'm gonna kick it off with one thing and then James I'll let you run with it. And that's basically there's kind of two ways that we as comic stores can order Funko Pops. You can go directly through Funko or you can go through Diamond, and there's mm-hmm. pros and cons to both. So
1: is well, that a good and, enough tee up for you. Yeah, not just Diamond. Other distributors carry Funko Pops too. That's um, true. So those are the two them. biggest ones for us. Well they certainly are. Uh, your gaming distributors will carry them, or at least I think the the major ones do. Um, but Funko pops, I think the way that a store orders a Funko pop, it's all going to be based on the type of volume that they have because ordering from Funko direct, you're going to get better price. Yep. The downside to that is generally you have to order, um, a case, which could be six, could be 12, uh, if you so, if you want to, let's say that there's a line coming out. Um, Stranger Things, everybody seems to love Stranger Things. We've had a lot of people wanting the Stranger Things pops. However, what we've had are people that want like the uh, you know this one or that one. They don't. We haven't had anyone who wanted the whole line. But let's say that somebody wanted the whole line. You've got maybe two people and they want they each want a set of six or eight or whatever there are. If we're ordering straight from Funko, the problem is we have to order a case of six of each character, meaning we're going to sell through uh, two out of the six per case, and then we're going to be stuck with four of each that we're hoping is going to sell off of the shelf via impulse sales or people directly seeking them out, which may happen. might Also might not. They might sit there forever. So for us, it's easier to wait and order them individually through Diamond and pay a little bit of a premium, but not have to worry about not having a complete sell-through. So if somebody wants a complete set of Stranger Things pops, we can then go on and we can order the, the, you know one of each or two of each, however many people want it. We're going to get a total sell-through. It's going to be all pure profit for us. We don't have to worry about losing anything. Um, now, if there's something that we know is going to be super popular, like... We just ordered uh, MST three K Funko Pops, they had a Tom Servo and a Crow. I know that those those will sell indefinitely. I know it. They're just going to they're gonna sell. Uh, as an MST three K fan, I more of the Mike Nelson era, but you know, MST three K fan in general. I know that the, the fans are diehards, figures are hard to get or expensive, and that's something that people will buy, even if they just buy them and they put them in front of their TV, which they is probably what they'll do. That's something I had no problem ordering a case of 12 of each for because we know that we'll move them. And then ordering that case even through Diamond, we got a price break. Yep. Now, we'd probably get – we would get a better price break if we ordered them straight from Funko. So the question is why didn't we order them straight from Funko? Well, because it's just not worth saving another $6 per case to order two cases worth of figures – where the shipping from Funko is probably going to be more than that $6 per case that we saved. So in that instance, let's just get them through Diamond again, kind of weigh the pros and the cons. It's more work. It's another invoice from another company that we're going to have to pay. Um, so technically, your your account's payable department, you're going to have to, you know, not that we have one.
0: <laughs> you're looking <but> at it.
1: <laughs> well, it, it just, you're it, listening to it. Right, it creates more work for for everybody involved, but mostly for us. And, uh, it's not, it's, so it's not worth us doing that. We'd rather just put the order in. No, we're going to get it from diamond. The other problem from getting them from diamond though, versus getting them straight from Funko is a lot of times because they're getting it from Funko. Mm -hmm. You're getting it later in the game than the stores that do order it direct from Funko. So if there is something where, uh, let's say it's a real popular Funko pop, but it's time dependent, you know, stranger things is a great example. Everybody wants it before the the new season comes out or something. I don't know. Just making this up. If you don't get yours from Diamond until three months after Stranger Things came out, you really missed the boat on it. It's going to be a lot harder to sell them versus the store that got them and had them on the shelf a week before Stranger Things aired. Um, So there's pros and cons to each way of ordering. Although for us, we find with the type of volume that we have, Ordering them in ones and twos and putting them on the shelf and knowing that we're going to get that total sell-through is much better than risking going direct
0: from Funko. Now, if we want the Chase one, we know that I think it's... Well, good luck. You're not really guaranteed. I don't think that... I guess
1: we've only maybe gotten two over the entire time that we've gotten Funko Pops. To my understanding, I don't think that there is a ratio that's given... I think it might be a 1 in 36, but I'm not sure. But even then, you could order a couple of cases and you're not guaranteed to get one, you know? So you can't order them. The closest you can get to ordering a Chase variant is buying it secondhand, you know, off of eBay or Amazon or something.
0: Yeah, they're, so formerly they were 1 in 36, but now they're actually 1 in 6 Chase items. Um. It's interesting. I've kind of pulled up some stuff hmm. here. That So the one in 36 no longer seems to be the trend, and it's definitely more lucrative because more people will go for the six than they would buy 36 to try ah, and get the chase. Okay. So it seems like what's happening is it's, uh, it's making them a little less rare or special, but at the same time, um, the other problem that they were having with it is, you know, your hot topics, your targets, that would get – you know, 72 of a certain one, employees would just take those two chase ones. Sure. And so they were never sure. making it out. And so there's kind of that trying to dissuade the unscrupulous uh, employees who were, you know, trying to make a quick payday off of things. Mm-hmm. So I think that's those are a couple of the reasons why they went to the one and six. So we should start to see now that more than likely you order six, you should get a chase. If it has a chase assigned it, to it, if it has one, right? Because there's certain just, we just things got like
1: twelve crow crow mm-hmm. T robot, and we didn't get a single chase variant, so they must not made one.
0: Yeah, I, that could be the case. I mean, there's certain things like the sports ones. They mm-hmm. usually don't make a chase for the sports ones. It's usually a, a really specific one-off thing that they do the chase ones for. So, uh, but back to your your example of getting the figures late can be a detriment um one of those actually that was that's a perfect example of that is a couple years ago uh, i believe they had an adrian peterson funko pop who um, was running back for the vikings and now the new orleans saints but the pop came out in the summer and then late in that summer he was then suspended for the season so had we ordered a case of those and gotten them two weeks into the season starting we probably wouldn't have sold very many we probably would have sold one of them to one of the two of us sitting here, and you don't watch football. But anyway, mm-hmm. so we would have sold one of those and been stuck with the rest of them. Do we
1: Do we want to talk about the Colin Kaepernick pops that we got?
0: No, because we didn't get those. We did.
1: <laughs> uh, well, yeah, that was – anyway, those were not uh, hot sellers.
0: No, they kind of deflated fast. But
1: the okay, so the other thing though, since we keep talking about the sports ones, maybe the lesson here to be learned is don't buy sports pops because we got well. Aaron Ro- well, okay, so the Aaron Rodgers
0: ones. I was gonna say we're in we're in Wisconsin, so there's we certain are. things that we know are going to go well. Aaron mm-hmm. Rodgers will go well. Brett Favre. J. J. Watt. Brett Favre, and believe it or not, Russell Wilson. Um, his tend to do good. He was a Badger for a year, so well. There's there's, there's so a the Rodgers ones
1: we ordered before. Um the playoffs. Right?
0: Last and year, then, yeah. And
1: then we got and we ended up getting them in like a month after they got knocked out.
0: Mm-hmm. So they but we were, still sold them.
1: We sold them all, but they were a much slower seller than than they could have been, you know.
0: Yeah, if somebody really wants to sell Funko Pops in Wisconsin, make a Brett Favre. They did. Yeah, I know. I think make another put, one.
1: Yeah, we just put an order in for it.
0: Because <laughs> it's gonna be yeah. But, I mean, it, so the sports ones are tough. Um, it's really knowing your market, and that's the problem. We, we've we been to a number of shops where we see just walls of Funko Pops. Do you think
1: the Brett Favre Chase variant comes with a cell phone?
0: I think the Brett Favre Chase variant comes in a Vikings uniform, if there is one. If that would actually the case, be a bad idea. I want that. Okay. It, anyways, um, it, for those listening, I'm one of the few rare non-Packers fans in the state of Wisconsin. Hey, what about me? You're not a fan of football. That's true. Anyways, uh, so knowing your market is the most important thing. We've been to a ton of shops that have had walls of Funko Pops. Mm -hmm. And they are just, it it basically screams that they just say, oh, we'll take a case of everything Mm -hmm. and put them up on the wall. And for us, that's not, A, that's not a good use of our money. B, it's not a good use of our space. And C, we strive to turn product over. For two reasons. One, obviously to have income because you kind of need to pay the bills. And two, the more the product's turning over, the more varied product you're bringing in and the more the store is different every time people come in and look around.
1: Right. No, it's true. The other thing with Funko Pops, and I was debating if I even wanted to bring this up.
0: But, but I've you been do, this, I
1: can tell. I have been saying this for, for two years now, and we've talked about this ad nauseum, but I always worry about a Funko Pop crash. Mm -hmm. Now, they have done just about everything they can to make sure that that doesn't happen, or at least to prolong the lifespan of the Funko Pop. But I still genuinely worry about something like that. I don't think that they're as mercurial as something like uh, Beanie Babies, where the market's just going to completely bottom out. They have so many licenses Mm -hmm. that... I don't think that will be a problem. And they've done a great job at destroying their competition, mm-hmm. you know, or becoming the competition. Um, but I do worry about there's, there are vendors that I know that have, uh, like 2000 square feet of Funko Pops that they just haul at conventions. They're turning them over right now, but I don't want to be that guy that's holding the bag on.
0: And they're turning them over though at the buy two, get one free or. There tends to be a lot of gimmicks.
1: They're probably, you know, they're making a slim margin. Um, But if they, you never know. Mm -hmm. But I just worry that Funko Pops are not a viable long-term
0: product. Well, I mean, we go to larger conventions and you just see dealers that have tons of them Uh side by side by side by side. And it's kind of like, how is this? But people buy them. That's the thing. I know. The Thursday of a show, they'll have,
1: they'll have... You know, 4,000, 5,000 Pops the, the last day, they're down to a wall of them. People are buying them, but who are the people that are buying them? They're casual fans.
0: They're- the, yeah, and I guess the other thing too that's a little different is like that Beanie Baby craze. Yeah. That was more for kids. And these Funko Pops we see <clears throat> have a lot broader base of people buying them. You know, like no, it's true. Putting them on your desk at work, like so, I do, you know, like that. But look like at that. your
1: average your average uh, toy Based fad. Take the, the newest one, fidget spinners. They were hot six months ago. Everybody had a fidget spinner. What happened was the school year started and fidget spinners died. They just died. Because everybody had, had everybody who was who wanted one bought one. And school and people, started,
0: you know, putting a, a ban on them in the classrooms and stuff. So but
1: people people also got sick of them. I mean you can only it it was a, a cool gimmick at first, but it wore off. They are kind of fun, and that's fine. And, and Funko Pops are kind of cool too, and we're gonna keep buying them. I just don't want to have.
0: Yeah, I mean we do an a,
1: entire wall of them.
0: Yeah, we do a very. We have uh, uh four four shelves, right? Four level shelves. And
1: then we have a separate freestanding yep. racking with them, and and
0: each shelf can hold two level, two layer, or two too high, hmm. um, too and- high and oh, it used to be too deep. Now it's one deep. But it's a lot wider, anyways. Um, but what we found is that we kind of keep our, our stock to that those two structures. Right. If it gets more than that, unless if it's something we guarantee can can sell, we kind of just hold off stuff. Right.
1: Which we just got, which just went out today, and we have them on top of our new this week uh, comic rack. So yeah. that's something that again we even if Funko Pops die tomorrow. It's like next to no MST3K merchandise someone can purchase. Right. So in that case, the license that they have for us is more valuable than it being a Funko Pop.
0: Right, and a lot of the Funko Pops that we have are kind of in that same vein. We have some very niche. Oh, we've got in Pops. cases of the Lemmy.
1: Yep. And it's kind of weird how you can cut, you can drive the sales of those. They are all, the ultimate impulse buys yep. because like we'll have Motorhead on in the store and we'll sell a Lemmy Pop. Just because we're playing Motorhead. Right. Um, it's a little harder to sell a Batman out of the store, like a Batman Funko Pop, because we've got 92 different DC Direct Batman figures, mm-hmm. you know? So there's more competition with something like that. So we find that the more niche Funko Pops tend to be a better buy than your generic superheroes that are going to be competing with the other product that you're selling.
0: Yep. Like another one that. I think we ordered three of each, and we're down to one. Or maybe we ordered a couple more than that. Is uh, Ren and Stimpy. Ren and Stimpy was a great seller. I think yep. we're out. Yep. So it's just those, especially those. Well, um, especially the ones for people. Elvira, Elvira yeah, Elvira, was that was a we great one. A case of 12. Um, we did good on Red Sonia too.
1: Um, you know we, we did on we did good on Red Sonia, and then here here's a little insight baseball for you. <clears throat> Every week. Diamond has a liquidation list. One week and it alternates. It's mm-hmm. print merchandise. The next week it is non-print right. merchandise. So the print merchandise is anything from weekly books to uh, actual prose novels to magazines. To magazines. Yep. Anything that
0: publishers want to clear out of the right. Diamond warehouse. Because they all pay. they all pay for the space that their product sits at. Mm-hmm. So once it's been there long enough, they want to get it out.
1: Then the next week, they dropped the new non-print merchandise liquidation list, which oftentimes is Funko Pops on it. Yep. And Red Sonja, when they first came out, we sold a, a decent chunk of them. Then we got a bunch off the liquidation list, which is what we have out right now. Yep. And now they're not doing so hot, which tells me we hit we sort of in this area. For we our saturated. Story, yeah. Right. We hit the mark that we needed to hit for our Red Sonias. You know, with what we've got in them, I don't feel bad about having them, obviously. Right. But that's something where Red Sonia is not a, a character with enough reach to justify having a case. Yep. The first time that we bought, I think the first time we bought them, we bought the preview exclusive versions, which we can get to. Yep. Uh, which came, they were bloody versions of Red Sonia. The ones that we have now off the liquidation list are just the regular ones. So, we, those are ones where if we had ordered a case from... Funko, we would have sold through about half the case and we
0: wouldn't have made any money. Right, but because we got our half case from Diamond, we sold those and then got. Oh well, yeah, we're
1: still we're, we're, still, we're at, still
0: at profit. Now. Right, I'm just saying
1: that they're not. You know, they're not. They're they're slower movers than your Lemmys and your MSD three Ks are going to be. Uh, and I'm not quite sure about the the lasting market for a red Sony Pop, uh, but. But if there's Talk, one, we've got it covered. Yeah, we sure do. <laughs> Talk about the preview exclusive ones.
0: Yeah, well, well yeah. So, previews exclusive ones are no different, per se, than a Walgreens exclusive, a Hot Topic exclusive. Mm-hmm. It's a specific um, franchise, brand, whatever, that has optioned an exclusive Funko Pop. Correct. And just like a regular Funko Pop, we can order them when that ordering becomes available. Now, uh,
1: usually, though, with, with these previews exclusives they're not getting their own sculpt right it's almost always like a repaint like the red yep. Sonia. it's bloody yep there's blood spatter on it or like um, the
0: walgreens exclusive star wars series ones were the same figure but instead of having the paint job they were just white blanks right yeah i think they called them prototypes something like that yeah variants or something so they're
1: usually not they're not paying the money to get their own actual sculpt they're just repaints yep um the previous exclusives, I think, are good to have because you can't get them in wide distribution. You know, right. Your Walgreens will not have them. Your Hot Topic, your Target will not have them. Uh, it's it's only specialty stores like us that have a, di- a Diamond account that can get them. Now, who can get them? Barnes and Noble, I think, can get them. Right?
0: I I don't know. I honestly don't know. I've not gone and checked out their Funko Pop because session.
1: Barnes and Noble sells um, Walking Dead trades, and I think that. Barn- Walking Dead trades are 100% exclusive through Diamond.
0: So yes, we do know that Barnes & Noble gets sourced through Diamond, but mm-hmm. they have a different type of account. They still have a traditional bookseller's account, which yeah. we don't. So they get terms and they get returnability, which we don't get either of those. So they're, they may have a different contract with the previous exclusive figures and things like that because I've never seen any other previous exclusive types of figures and merchandise in their figure section because have you ever ha- really,
1: really looked though
0: i well i haven't specifically looked for it but i've looked in mm-hmm. the areas and they've got figures some of the same types of figures we have but i've never seen that purple with the yellow px on it yeah sticker. interesting we'll have to go do some scouting
1: yeah do a little research
0: see we don't know everything we just know what we know mm-hmm. which isn't everything well we don't pretend to know everything
1: but anyway, so that's that's Funko Pops. I yeah. mean, have we what, what other questions do we have regarding Funko Pops?
0: Uh, so the chases come in blind, no one and six usually. Uh, is there an exclusive <clears throat> structure um, just based on who you're ordering from? Mm-hmm. And the, the the exclusivity is more along the lines of um, the chase or not the chase the uh, the exclusives from the the manufacturer to that single distributor. Or the other exclusive things would be pricing, where you get better pricing through Funko. Um, do you have? Is there a guarantee to get certain ones? Um, we haven't seemed to have had any issue when we order pops, we tend to get them. Uh, no, but there's had, been a, a couple, couple. and yeah. they, it's just like comics. It's just like other things where there is a potential to be allocated.
1: Well, yeah, and I think the next company that we'll get into along the same line of uh, discussion is NECA, and NECA seems to be worse with Diamond than Funko Pops are but with Funko Pops we've had I'll tell you which one I'm thinking of the Rick and Morty ones yeah we ordered all the Rick and Morty Pops and we only got one Squeezle or I don't know I don't watch the show I, I don't either before any Rick and uh, Morty fans jumped on my throat I've never given it a shot not that I don't d- don't dislike it but I don't have cable um the cat whoever the cat character is um we only got that in. So all these people are coming in wondering why we hadn't gotten Rick and Morty Pops. And we kept saying, look, we, we ordered them. We're going to be getting them. We're going to be getting them. And then we got allocated. We never got any. So that was kind of a pain in the butt. And that was almost something where we should have gone through Funko to get them. Yeah. But how could you know? You know, again, if we knew what Rick and Morty was going to become, we would have ordered a thousand copies of the first issue. Right. So. Yeah.
0: Uh, and for us, it's not a. Part of being a retailer is knowing what you can and can't sell. Mm-hmm. And and there's always a gray area if we don't know. And when you're in that situation, don't throw money blind at it. Go with what you know. Put your money where you know you can sell it and make it back. Yeah, you may have missed a gold mine, but hey, we could say the same thing about walking dead number 1. The hundreds of ton, you know, thousands of things differently if we could go back, but we can't. So our big piece of advice, we um there was a local store that went on a really overly large, but a decent amount of money that he owed Funko because they do offer terms if you will things, and there were tons of Funko Pops back there. Mm-hmm. So it's a slippery slope. Mean You don't have to pay the bill. My rule of thumb, whenever I put something on a credit card, is think about it when you're running a store. You don't want to use this week's sales to pay for...
1: With that store, if Funko Pops were kind of one of those things where... The, you know you're you're not doing so hot for that the last couple of months and you're like maybe Funko Pops will save me, yep. So you you double down on them and then then you just get in more trouble. I don't know, but I but again that's it's that over reliance on like things like Funko Pops that make me worry that there are a lot of so we talked about this before the stores that are more like a pop culture store. You have your Funko Pops and you have your T-shirts and your keychains and everything. And your um, Deadpool head-shaped ice trays—that's cool stuff. But I, eventually, that that um, geeky phase that a lot of people get in—that are where they're not true fans, but they want to go to a convention and buy a Doctor Who print and a Harry Potter mug—I think eventually a lot of those people are just—they're going to lose interest, or they're going to get into something else because they're kind of fair-weather fans. Right? They're fans now, but they're not lifelong fans you know right uh or they're fans for as long as a friend or a girlfriend or a boyfriend is into whatever it is so that kind of over reliance on those things that are impulse items is is a big problem for a lot of stores and, and i just see that causing uh a lot of a lot of grief for stores that are relying on that a couple years down the road inevitably the culture created by shows like Big Bang Theory, um, it's going to come to an end. Right. It's going to end sometime. I've never watched the show because, quite frankly, I, I can't stand what I've seen. But I, I can recognize Big Bang Theory stuff when I'm at conventions, and I, the amount of people that are wearing Big Bang Theory shirts and have Big Bang Theory hats or whatever, it's huge. It has obviously has some effect on fandom. It has some effect on people that are going to conventions. And when shows like that go away or are taken off the air, and those, the reminder that people, uh, reminders that people get from shows like that, I think once you take that out of people's consciousness, when they're not looking at it every week or every day, they tend to forget about this stuff. And, I, and it's going to be, I don't know, I, some stories in particular that I'm thinking of, and you know exactly what I'm talking about, I just worry that they're going to have a lot of issues in a couple of years. Yep. Uh, Let's talk about NECA. Let's do it. NECA is one that... um, This is going to be
0: more you than me because this is your...
1: Sure. The big thing about NECA is it gets a lot of movie licenses that I like. Uh, uh, Terminator, Aliens, Predator, stuff like that. They make great figures at NECA. And... The problem is, since Diamond is buying these figures from NECA, they're a middleman by by selling to us, just like with Funko. So we could save more money going over to buying them direct from NECA. The problem is, we talked to a couple other store owners that used to order from NECA. Right. And they switched back
0: to Diamond. Well, actually, even before that, we were having issues with Diamond fulfilling our orders. We went NECA people. And they said, oh, just order direct from us. You mm-hmm. won't have those issues. And that's what when- so the, the, the trade-off is this.
1: With, with the NECA stuff, you get it way, way later than, um, than other pl- Like if we order it from Diamond, we're going to get months after Toys R Us direct from NECA. Right. And Toys R Us, you better believe, well, maybe not anymore. Now that- <laughs> um, but they, were a huge, they had to have been one of the top NECA accounts, directives. There are a lot of Toys R Us exclusive, Alien, Predator, Prometheus. I think some of them were actually original sculpts too. I, didn't, I don't know if they were all repaints like a lot of the Funko stuff was. Anyway, it's hard to really compete when you have a store like Toys R Us getting all this stuff in, buying direct from NECA, probably getting a price break that you can't compete with, and they're getting stuff on the shelf months before you are. So eventually us ordering stuff from, from Diamond, ordering NECA product, wasn't working. Because we'd either get it months later or we wouldn't get it at all. So we decided to investigate, as we said, going direct through NECA. Well, then what we find out from other store owners that have switched over, the problem is you have to pay shipping, which is fine. We, we, we technically shipping pay through shipping Diamond. through Diamond. Yep. Uh, if you would do the, the full breakdown... It would not be nearly as much because they're shipping it with other items. You know, they'd be throwing those cases in with a delivery that's already coming via UPS to us anyways. So it's not a super huge deal. However, uh, it sounds like the shipping was not very cheap direct from NECA. The other thing that we heard was that you have to pay an extra amount of money to get them to double box it. And the people that wouldn't pay that extra amount of money to get it double boxed almost always got damages. And this is where the the tables are kind of turned. Supposedly trying to get damage credits from NECA is like pulling teeth. Very difficult. Getting them from Diamond, while we have far too many of them, is relatively easy. Worst case scenario is they ship you a UPS label and you have to send it back. Mm -hmm. Um, Actually, I suppose the worst case scenario would be they don't have the product to fill your... Yeah, or damage order, which really be the worst case scenario. Then you're kind of stuck trying to sell off the damage stuff, which, okay. Um, but either way, it sounded like it was sort of a nightmare to try to get replacements or to get um, damage credits straight from NECA. So after talking to the people that we talked to and getting a really, really good amount of detailed information, we sort of decided that we're just going to keep, for the time being, ordering straight from diamonds. And not getting NECA stuff through NECA.
0: And take our chances and
1: at some point, let's say that there is a location number two, and we want to stock NECA at both locations, then when our volume's going up a little bit, that's maybe when we look into doing something like that. Uh, but for now, we order so f- few NECA pieces that we it's the difference is negligible, you know, getting them through Diamond. Uh, The other thing is we don't have a humongous sense of urgency on a lot of the figures that we get Mm -hmm. from Diamond, a lot of the NECA figures. The Alien, the Predator figures are are really cool, but they do tend to be more impulse buys in the store than people that that are deliberately coming in and seeking out the the next set. They need to have one of each set coming out. Uh, We don't get a lot of that. Now, you could argue that we don't get that because we don't offer it. We've offered it before. It just really hasn't. Yeah, taken.
0: and I think it's no different with NECA, and you can correct me, but I think it's no different with NECA than it is Funko, where we're not going to invest in the entire line of everything all the time. It's take right. the things that you know we have customers that are interested in mm-hmm. and or things that you know you can talk to people about, potentially steer them towards that. Um, well, what, one of the things that I've said before is with the Alien line, and this is the best
1: example that I can think of, I said way back when we first put an order in for him, I said, the alien line is great because you will always sell the xenomorphs. You will always sell them, no matter what. Pe- people will come in and they will buy the alien figures from the alien line. The problem is you get stuck with human figures in each line. Half of them are aliens, the other half are human figures. So almost every set that we have up on the wall, we've got a lot of Ripleys, we've got a lot of Bishops, we got Hicks, we've got Hudson. I love this. It's my favorite movie. I love the characters. But... We sell the aliens, and then we're stuck with the humans. We don't get a lot of people coming in to buy the entire line. They just want the cool aliens to put up. So in that instance, it's better for us to wait until NECA has some separately packaged Xenomorph figure. and just order six of those. We pay a little bit more, but we don't have dead products sitting on the shelf. So that that's kind of the way that we've approached it now. I mean, we've got a couple Xenomorph figures on the wall right now, but... We still have more human figures from the previous lines because people aren't buying them. Yep. I
0: don't know. What are your thoughts? Uh, that NECA is kind of your baby. That's your thing that you know more. You know, same thing mm-hmm. with Warhammer. You know more than I do about that. Oh, so. the other
1: thing with NECA that I want to get into uh, for people who don't know, and I this is something I've, I've said from the beginning: horror movie figures are. Always, I mean, order them. Whatever you can get, order them. If you you're gonna get allocated, I could sell any Friday the 13th Jason Voorhees figure that I get in. I we we can't keep them on the shelf. Yeah. Um, not too about a month and a half ago, I ordered a big artifacts like 140 dollars Jason statue, and uh, I know not you, but I know a couple people are like, ah, why did we get that? You know? And I said, oh, Just it'll sell. It'll mm-hmm. Jason Voorhees. It'll sell. And it only took two weeks, and somebody came in and, and just snagged it right off the shelf. They didn't care, uh, let alone the like twenty-five, thirty-dollar Friday the Thirteenth figures. Those just go immediately. Freddy Krueger, another one. Leatherface and Michael Myers—they're eh, like a step down, but but Jason is king. Yep. Anybody buying figures for store, invest in Friday the Thirteenth figures. And hey, if they don't sell, call us. We'll buy them from you at. at A little over cost plus shipping because we'll
0: sell them in a heartbeat, and that's straight from NECA. There you go. So that kind of covers some of the figure stuff. I think the bulk of the other figures that we get tend to be Marvel Select and things like that that we get through Diamond. So why don't we? The
1: sales on those go in waves. Yeah. The the, um, DC Direct stuff. I would, you know, I would say that we actually sell more. Marvel Select, then we do DC Direct. But one of the things that I wonder with that is Marvel Select's presentation. The figures are a little bigger.
0: Yep. The packaging is bigger. Clear casing all the way around. Correct. The
1: packaging is much bigger. The differences are the DC figures. We can fit twice as many, at least, figures in the same space that we could fit, uh, you know, half as many Marvel figures. So we can. It's much better for merchandising product with the DC Direct
0: figures. The other thing too is the price point's a little
1: different. Uh
0: Because I think it's twenty four ninety nine for Marvel Select. Mar- and
1: yeah, Marvel Select is twenty twenty
0: four ninety nine but fourteen ninety nine or nineteen ninety nine. No, no
1: no no DC Directs are twenty eight now.
0: Jeez. Yeah. The they were for for this line or is that yes. for the new line that's one sixth scale?
1: Nope. We're talking those guys right there. For the longest time, they were – and we have figures that are four or five years old that are, you know, 1999. But I'm saying the new stuff, the new figures that are coming out, yeah. that whole Harley series we have Yeah, that's there. right.
0: They tried to so up the – They upped the, it on all of them. Well, they tried to up the production quality on them.
1: Yeah, well – More
0: articulations, but the,
1: – The problem is when you look at the Marvel Select figures, which are in – they're in bigger packaging with better displays. The figures are, themselves are larger – I'm going to tell you, I I would argue that they're better detailed, the Marvel Select figures. Um, And they're a cheaper price point compared to the DC Direct. I don't really care if they take up more space. I would rather have more of those. Yeah, I agree. The other thing with DC Direct, we talked about liquidation lists. Yeah. I can tell you which company has (laughs) never, ever, ever had a single... Figure go on liquidation, Marvel. at least that I know of.
0: Yeah, we haven't seen one.
1: Yeah, and none of the Marvels-like if, figures have if ever. If they gone were, on, we'd buy them. Right, they've never gone yeah. on liquidation. DC direct figures are often on liquidation, not just on liquidation lists, but on actual DC liquidation lists. Uh, so it's kind of the opposite of Marvel with with trades, whereas Marvel tends to blow out trades all the time and. Uh, they just had their omnibus sale. We're doing buy one get one free coming up this Saturday.
0: We're also uh, extending that to anyone who sees us online, as we found out. <laughs> heck yeah,
1: contact us. Um, but D- DC almost never, almost never will do right. a trade sale. But yeah, I-, I think between the two of them, you know, the the Marvel stuff is just a it's a better figure line than nope. DC Direct.
0: No, oh, I agree. Um, so if we can, let's switch gears a little bit and go over to a completely different line of products. So we've got the two main, um, card gaming venues that we play here, are magic and Pokemon. Mm-hmm. And each one of those has, um, uh, well, magic has quarterly releases.
1: No, no. Um, magic is now every two months.
0: Every, okay. Cause Pokemon
1: is quarterly, I
0: believe. So, uh, there are some strings attached. You want to go through Pokemon? You mean for just running the pre-release? Yeah, and how the ordering for that goes because well, the, yeah, the product we, is different. Mm.
1: Sure, I won't go too deep into all this stuff because there's it is very different for for different stores. Yep. As I like to tell people, this is a comic store that does gaming. Yep. There are a lot of stores that are gaming stores that sell comics. First off, well, no, we're just gaming stores, and I, let's. Start off with, we. Not only can we not, we also do not wish to be directly competitive with the with the exclusive gaming stores. Sure, yeah, right. There are plenty of. There's a lot of them around here, and there are some of them that are great, yep. and there are some of them that are not, not quite great. <laughs> and um, you know, I've I've heard um, there's a place in Waukesha where I've heard great things about, and. Uh, that's that's about, you know, 30 minutes from us. So, and they're not... They're, there's a
0: place between us and Waukesha that we've yeah. heard not so great things about. It's true. Well, and there's another one that just closed. Yep. Um, but
1: the thing is... So, let's take this one in Waukesha. They're strictly gaming. They just run games. They don't do anything comics. I don't think they sell or stock a lot of product on the shelves in general. I think it's mostly... The best way to put it, it's more of a service-based business than a product-based business, which we certainly are. Right. He's he's making his the most amount of his money having people in to run drafts. He's getting um, he'll get twenty people in on uh, Thursday night and they'll run a magic draft and they'll do a type of draft where they have to buy uh, four packs each. So he knows. He can If he's going to get in 20 people on Thursday night, he'll sell, I'd say maybe he knows he'll get between 20 and 30. So he'll get between 80 to 120 packs sold. So he's going to have to have on hand four boxes of 36 packs each. And it's probably a good idea for him to have a couple extra boxes of product because you're going to get people that want to buy packs to take home or maybe a box. Past that, he doesn't really have the ability to go deep into product because his is more of a total sell through business model. He needs to turn over a majority of the product that he purchased earlier in the week or that day in order to pay the bills and pay the next invoice that comes in. So his, his margins are usually smaller and he's got to be a lot tighter in the, in the product that he does bring into the store. He's, he's taking more time and now I would I would be willing to bet, and I don't mean to sound arrogant or insulting with this one, uh, that we do a good deal more business than he does. Yeah, on and the whole. Yeah. On the whole. Now, certainly not in magic, though. Magic. Correct. And, and again, we're not set up to do that. And yeah. we don't want to be competition with him. But uh, where I'm going with this whole thing is us doing a good deal more business than he does also requires us to do a hell of a lot less work. Because we're ringing people up. Now, customer service is paramount to us. Yes. We have to, to this business, we have to, and and the people that work here have to be top-notch customer service. Unless your name is Drew or Sebastian or Clint, then we give you no customer service at all. (laughs) Um, But we have to have top-notch customer service and really go out of our ways to avoid being a stereotype store. But that doesn't mean that we're actually... We're not um, really providing a service. We're selling product. Yep. The service that we provide
0: Is the venue
1: to play. Correct. Uh, now, again, if it takes him four hours to run an event, I would rather stand at the counter for four hours and help people for maybe a combined 45 minutes out of that time, spend the other three hours and 15 minutes pricing back issues to put away, putting orders in, doing FOC, whatever, and making more money because we're selling product. But what is the catch? The catch is that we have to have more money to be able to do that. If we don't have the product in the store, we can't sell the product. The places that that are just magic or just gaming exclusive stores really rely on providing a service. They're inputting people's uh they're inputting the, the outcomes of every every person's match in a tournament. They might right. be they might be putting in twenty different uh, wins and losses and they're
0: figuring out who's playing who and they're and they may have multiple things going on at the oh, same correct. time. They so might they be may running, have a draft of twenty and they may have another twelve people playing something else. They're
1: playing a different format, they're yep. playing modern over here. So they're really running they're running an event. They're running uh they're providing a service, service based industry. We're not that, we don't want to be that. So right. technically, we can't compete with those stores because we don't want to. We don't sell nearly as much magic product as a store that is a magic-focused uh, store. They, they have a, a much better depth of knowledge of the product than we can ever hope to have, maybe. Um, but again, we're not striving to, to become that educated about it because we don't need to right now. I think right. you need to be educated about the product that you, that you sell. But there's no way that I'm going to become as knowledgeable about magic as I am about comics so in that instance why even try when we have someone who can run magic for us right and knows a great deal more than we do but it's not a top category so we're not going to go into it now magic the biggest complaint that I hear about magic from people that have comic book stores Uh well actually there are two big complaints one is that the margin is low that's true yep. the margin compared to comic books is not great Generally tends to be about thirty-five to forty percent. The big issue is selling, and I've just seen this in the three three years here. Selling booster boxes, for instance, the SRP is like one hundred and forty-four thirty-eight or something like that. Uh, It's basically uh, thirty-six packs times three ninety-nine. Um. the The problem with that is that we've talked before about. We did a podcast about selling online, how there's a race to the bottom. Yep. When you start looking at certain, certain product that people sell online. And what magic has done is created a total race to the bottom where a lot of the stores around here, I know what I know the, at least the floor that they're getting, the floor pricing they're getting on their booster boxes. I know that they, can't be getting them for less than $78. And that $78 is if you're buying a lot of product. That's Yeah, that's the highest volume you can get. That's buying a lot of product $78. Now, I'm not counting some old set that's being blown out by a distributor. We're sure. just talking about the stuff that you need to have on hand to run your events. Generally, they're not getting that $78. I'm willing to bet that they're getting more uh, along the lines of like $82 to $83 per booster box. Now, to be competitive, we know what a lot of these places sell them at. What do they sell them at? They sell them for like a hundred dollars a box, 99 a box because they figure that their, their customers, if they don't buy them from them, they're going to buy buy them them online, online where they can get them that cheap. It's just like Amazon here. You know, people could buy, you could buy that new Batman trade on Amazon. You could, but people would rather just come in here and buy it and thank God for it. Now that doesn't mean that we don't offer sales and we don't offer discounts and perks for doing that. Um, we do all the time. We we have to. Yep. But at the same time, uh, for us, it's not worth spending $85 or $83 to make $17 or $15. That money could be spent on anything else and any of the product lines that we offer and we could make more money doing it. The stores that, are, that just run gaming, they have to. That's what they do. So they operate on very slim margins by definition. And... If their margin, if the best margin that they can get is 40%, if they bring in $1,000 worth of product on a Monday and that's supposed to last until Friday, what is the most amount of money that they can make?
0: 400 bucks.
1: They can't make more than $400. So you're limited. You're completely limited.
0: And I'll just say that, that, that was that was mental math. That was not, there was no sheet of paper handed to me.
1: You're good. Well, you're
0: good. I have to look at numbers all day.
1: So they're, what they really do is they kind of, you're limited towards the product that you bring in. You're on a very fixed income. There are stores that get around this by doing singles, which is the gaming equivalent of us doing back issues. Yep, It's a smart thing to do. The problem with that is just like back issues, it also takes up a lot of time. And the magic market is a lot more volatile than the comic book back-issue market. You're going to have books that go that shoot up that, because of some movie option or TV option that you can't catch. And somebody will get them out of your back-issue bin for a, a song. But with magic, you have whole cards that will get banned or they'll drop out of standard. Something will happen where they're no longer desirable. And they'll go from being a $30 card to being worth $3. Mm-hmm. And uh, you buy one today, tomorrow... Wizards bans this card from tournament play. Now you're stuck with four of them that you just bought from this fellow over here. So you have to be on top of it all the time. By and large, the point I'm making with this long rant is that being a store that just runs gaming and makes their money and their income off of that, it's it takes a lot more work than what we do. And we make more money doing what we do. So why why do the opposite or the other business model? We don't have to.
0: Yeah, and and we've been both of us have been into stores where they're set up similar to us, where their their magic uh, offering is catering more to a smaller group, and it mm-hmm. tends to be more tight knit. It's more friendly, um, less competitive, tournament style play. They're there to be competitive. I but- would
1: describe our our magic crowd as much more casual than competitive. Not that they don't want to win. Yes, but they're not coming in here because we've talked about before how we've. I mean, I. I pretty much ejected some people uh right off the bat we banned others yep and we all these people that are really the troublemakers the name calling uh the the ones that cursing that curse that swear that break our toilets. yeah yeah or among other things um we just don't we don't, we don't need want that. them here we don't need them here and they're the ones that cause trouble
0: and that's the other thing too is that when these games are going on our store is still open so we are not just playing. Well, They're not just playing right. magic. We're selling other products, so we can't have these types of things blowing up while mm-hmm. we're trying to sell someone on a you know a, a an Elsa figure, or a, you know a Batman trade or something. It's just we don't need that headache.
1: So the the next kind of
0: uh, we want to delve into again the
1: the product versus service business. We have a lot of product in the store, so we have the room to put out. We can fit if we put all of our tables and chairs out, we can fit about forty. We have rented tables and chairs and we've crammed sixty in here. It was tight, it worked, it was smelly and sweaty and hot, but we were able to fit it. Comfortably forty. And generally we we have about if you would just walk in today we had we can sit twenty four people. Because we have to when we want to fit forty, we have to move some fixtures around. Yep. Now, those events that we would normally have on a Friday and a Saturday that where we would need more space, that's about five hours out of two days of the week. The rest of the days of the week, the product that we're selling off of the shelving that's in the spot where we would have the tables and extra chairs that aren't going to get used anyway, we're making more money off of selling that product. And it takes no effort on our part to sell the product or little effort to sell that product. So, if we had the space, if we had another 1,000 square feet, I would love to fill it with more tables. But instead, I'd probably just fill it with more back issues. If we had another 2,000 square feet, I would put out more back issues and more tables.
0: Yeah, and the interesting thing, too, is um, for those that aren't aware, randomly, because we've had two in the same month, we've had gone six to eight months without one, Diamond will send out secret shoppers. And mm-hmm. part of what those secret shoppers are doing, most importantly— is uh, They go out predominantly to the folks that, have, that get their books on Tuesday, the day before the new comics go out, and they're looking to see if you're breaking street date. Because if you break street date, that basically no one voids your contract with Diamond, and you no longer get the product. Mm-hmm. So that's the biggest thing they're looking for. But one of the criteria on their actual form is do they have gaming space? Which is really interesting because I don't think it's criteria for anything. I think it's just a general question that they ask. I just think it's really odd that a, a distributor of predominantly comics and figures, they do sell magic cards.
1: No, what you're you're missing a, a big facet here. Diamond is Alliance. They're the same they're the same company. They are. And Alliance is the now, probably the single biggest game distributor in the United States. So now
0: that they just got that exclusivity.
1: Well, with Asmodee, yeah. So which I just
0: think I still think it's just interesting that you're you're coming to see if we're breaking Street data on comics, and one of your main items on your list of things is they don't ask is is the floor mm-hmm. vacuumed? They ask does the store have a nice presence? Well, yeah, but it's it's market research for them. Yeah, I do market research. I know, it's I market, and I've done right. it before. In, it's market in the past research too. for
1: them. They get these people going in there, and
0: while they're doing it, they're going to get quantifiable data. Except it's always wrong, what? because we have a TV. Is, we have a thirty-six inch TV, TV sitting right right above us, and yet they never say we have a TV. We have six tables out, and yet they We've will say sometimes half, no, we have no gaming half tables. Half of our
1: right half of the secret shopper reports
0: uh, are do they
1: have tables for for gaming? No, no.
0: Like okay, I mean we we had the thankfully. Um, I can't remember what the guy's name from Diamond is, but uh, he came out and checked out the store. Tim, Tim, I think, yeah. And it's kind of one of those things where he's like, "Oh, this doesn't quite jive with all the reports you get," because it's like, "Well, it's all here." It's
1: yeah. We um, don't we don't hide the tables and take the knows.
0: TV off of the bracket. You know.
1: <laughs> I apologize to anyone who's a secret shopper that's listening, but we can always go. Half the time, you can identify who a secret shopper is. Yes, and I, I like to go half. out. I like to go out of my business with my old. My old corporate uh, self and killing with kindness, and um, the other time, the other half that when you couldn't tell when they were in here, <laughs> they asked such strange questions that they stick out in your mind, and then you get secret chopper report, and you think, I remember that day. That was that whack job who was <laughs> asking me about uh, uh, why they couldn't buy that book with uh, with Batman, where where uh, uh, they think this might happen, but they're not sure. Well, they were told they could come in and get it today. Their son really wanted it, or their daughter really wanted it, or their mother really wanted it. You go, okay? Did you get the, the issue before? I don't. I don't know. I don't know. They they need to have this book, and it always is a book that comes out the day afterwards. Sometimes it is a legitimate question where somebody needs a book, yep. you know. But most of the time, it's a secret shopper, and
0: you can tell. And the best part is they include photos. In the even be- even better. So we we there's a couple that stick out in my mind. One of them was there was. Again, the question of do they have a television, and the answer was no, and gaming tables, no. And they took a picture from the front of our store to one of the corners where the TV is mounted and the tables, and they were all within that picture view. The other one that sticks out in my mind, and this has happened more than once, is we have our hours posted on the glass doors on the front. One of our doors, when it's nice weather out, we'll prop it open. The other one is permanently fixed closed. And on that one, we have our hours. And the person took a picture of the hours so that they could remember when they wrote their notes what our hours were and got a perfect picture of themselves in the reflection. Right. <laughs> it was just
1: – it's like spot on. Some of the other ones that we've gotten, we got one where it was, they were obviously talking about me because they said late 20s, which thank you. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I'll take it. Being generous. Late 20s, beard, and glasses. Um, but then it said uh, – was wearing a uniform with a name tag. <laughs>
0: yeah. Which... We've, we've never had uniforms we've or never name tags. uniforms or name tags.
1: <laughs> I, so I don't know where they pulled that one from.
0: Um, I think there was one that said bro- that the brothers were working, you and I, because we both have beards and dark hair. One on. of us is six inches taller than the other, but, you know, hey, whatever.
1: Well, there you go. <laughs> yeah, Secret Chopper reports. Kind of weird.
0: Um, Anyways... Back to the topic at hand. So that was magic. Anything else you want to talk about magic? Well, no, I just,
1: yeah, yeah, a little bit more. Uh, I just, I guess for a store, because I I like to approach this sometimes from, I would assume that there's somebody listening to this who wants to start a store.
0: Yeah. Or has a store. Who wants to improve it or um, avoid we, our down. We, <laughs>
1: we hear a lot of people that, they complain about magic. Store owners, are, well, I hate magic, but I can't get by without it. If you hate it, if it's causing you that much stress, run the numbers on it because you probably, you might not be making any money off of it. And you might be better off taking that space. Now this, again, I've told the story before about the guy who told us to get rid of our back issues and do Yu-Gi-Oh! What works for one does not work for the other. You know, it almost never does. You're going to call 50 different stores if you're opening a store and they're going to tell you to do 50 different things. It works for us. It doesn't work for other people. But, if magic is the type of thing where you're you're getting people to come in at six o'clock on a Friday and they don't leave till one in the morning and you run your numbers and you're making $25 after all is said and done, because you have to pay yourself, your time is worth money, your operational costs to stay there, that's worth money. If, if you're not making money doing it or you're making a negligible amount of money, then don't do it. If you hate doing it, don't do it. If there are stores that are close to you, that have magic, and it's it's you, you think it's putting you in an early grave. Go to that store and say, "Hey, I'm Frankie, and I have Frankie's Comics over here on Third Street." I apologize if Frankie's listening. I've never he's I'm actually just making fourth. this up. There you go. I'm making this up, Frankie. Um, and I have Frankie's Comics on Third Street. Look, I want to get out of magic. I would really love to send my magic players to you. I'm wondering. Uh, would you, and no gaming store is going to turn that down. They're going to be thrilled to hear that they're losing competition, that they're gaining people that are sent directly to them. Uh, would you be able to, you know, if you ever have anybody looking for this, this, or this, send them to me. Could you recommend me? It'd be a huge help. You never know what that might do for you. Mm-hmm. And getting friendly with, with a, with your local gaming store might end up working in the long run. What if they go under, you know, and then all of a sudden they send 30 people over to you and now you're making money on it yep. again? Uh, so the, the big complaint and the reason this came up was we heard a podcast earlier where somebody was kind of talking about their store that closed and magic was, was not something that they won't, that they liked running because the people would buy their cards online and then just come in to play it. Then don't run magic. If people are not buying their stuff from you and they're just coming in using your bathroom, and throwing their garbage on your floor and, and keeping you five hours past when you normally go to bed, then don't run magic. Right. It's, it's, not, it's not rocket science. If you don't want to do something, then don't do it. Yep. I, we, we, don't, we don't really lose anything. We, we keep Box here usually an hour, hour and a half later than he normally would be here to run magic. We make a decent amount off of it. We make enough that we think that it's worth doing. But again, to go back to what started this whole thing, We are not trying to be competitive with the places that make their living off of magic. It's a little bit of a supplemental income for us. Yep. It's something that brings people in the door. But we had uh, – this is one of my my favorite recent stories. We had a guy who started coming in here who played magic and came in on a Sunday when we were playing Warhammer, got big into Warhammer. I mean, hardcore. He bought two full armies. He's buying Forge World stuff. He's in here now playing Warhammer more than anybody else. And a couple weeks ago, he started picking up some trades. Now he's buying comics, hot and heavy. He's buying tons of comics, uh, mostly trades. But this—he came in, he came in for uh, our signing with Garth Ennis and Azarello. And uh, he's a guy who's been into comics for about three weeks. So he came in because of Magic. Doesn't even play Magic anymore. Jumped on Warhammer, which is infinitely more profitable for us than Magic is, and it's a lot more expensive to get into. And it's a lot more. fun fun for me it's something well no because it's something that i can talk to about him or about uh, i can talk to with him about warhammer more than i can talk about magic with him i can, i know enough about magic to fake it with some people to a point and any store that that sells a product like that it's like i don't know man i can't help you. that's that's bad you have to at least know enough to fake it and say ah, you know what uh, that's beyond my uh uh, security clearance. I don't really know that one. I'd be happy to Google it for you. Um, otherwise, if you want, come back uh, tomorrow night. Talk to this person. He'll be able to answer all your questions. Yep. Ad- admit what you don't know, but you got to fake it sometimes. But anyways, he he's come in now and he's becoming. He's in here every day, and he's buying multiple product lines because of Magic. He came in because of Magic. He left Magic behind. So, just because somebody comes in for something that you don't want. You can't think of it as a loss leader unless you're actually hemorrhaging money, in in which case maybe it's time to get rid of
0: it. And we've we've talked to and had a number of people that have come in looking to play Magic in a slightly less competitive environment. Right. And, you know, there's some people that, I don't know how to say this, there's some people that like their ego stroked a little bit Uh and maybe they're not, you know, top level competition, but coming to a little bit smaller venue, they're going to be in the top three every time. And they like that, and you know what? That's fine because mm-hmm. it's okay. You need that. Someone's got to win. Someone's got to lose. My grandmother always used to say that. She was a wonderful woman. Aww. um, But you know, it's one of those things where the the friendly confines of Cowabunga, um afford us a little bit a little bit better ability to cater to more levels of playing as mm-hmm. well. You know, a lot of these bigger places, if you aren't really into it or you're not throwing a lot of money at it. It can be kind of disheartening pretty quick because you're getting pounded all the time. Whereas here, we've got kind of a mix. We have some people that buy a lot of the product to, to try and build the best deck they can. But we also have just those casual folks that will come in and, and, you know, not not to say there's anything wrong with this, but they'll buy the bare minimum to get by. Uh-huh. And they have a great time doing it. And that's what counts. Well, now here's, again, some advice.
1: One of the things, and I, t- I talked about that race to the bottom with magic boxes, a lot of the stores that just run magic sell like I said, they sell them for ninety nine dollars a box about a hundred bucks a box. We sell ours for one twenty four ninety nine and we sell the packs for three ninety nine like everyone else does. but we get a lot of the people that come in and they they strut in and they this is all you got for magic well yeah, do you need something? Can we help you find something? or oh, those places that more. we go, okay well that's great, Well, we're a comic book store. We do sell some magic though, but the people you're talking about are a gaming store. They go, all right. They go, well, they sell their booster box. So I'll, I'll give you, you know, I'll give you a hundred for a booster box. I go, uh, we can't sell it for a hundred. Sorry, this, this is our price. We don't really negotiate. And they go, well, this place sells it for, for whatever. Now, what I always tell them is, uh, wow, that's a great price. I, I would, if I were you, I would definitely go there and pick one up. And half the time, they're like, oh, all right. And sometimes they'll just be like, "Well, I guess I'll take one now." You know, if you if you sit there and bash a place, and you're like, "Oh, well, they only do that because they're barely getting by," and blah blah blah, you're just gonna, you know, you, you can't do that. You can't be
0: negative about something like that. But you have to draw a line in the sand. You
1: ha- but yeah, you have to draw a line. Like what? Because the the approach that we take. Another thing to think about is keeping keeping things civil, because the last thing you want is somebody going over to another store you know, they're jerks and they blah 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 and they said this and that. If somebody goes to another store and says, hey, just so you know, this guy said I went over there, they're selling their their cards, boxes for this much, he said, buy it from you. You know, you're not making you're making everybody happy at that point. Yep. And we get enough people to buy the boxes at the the price that we sell them for that it doesn't bother us. I would rather I would rather sell one box at 125 than two at hundred in the same price or in the same time period because we're making more money off of that one
0: yeah and people will buy it from us similar to the trades versus Amazon things like that because of the experience the customer service uh and the environment they they prefer that and to them it's worth paying Mm -hmm. a little bit more uh it's not they're not paying full retail price I mean like you said that's 130 something was it or 140 something
1: -something.
0: I mean so they're still getting a deal off of the the main price
1: let me do the math on this one
0: you math that up um so, but it's just one of those things where in the store, one forty
1: three sixty four, sir.
0: There you go. So we're still giving them over twenty bucks off, right? Under twenty bucks off, twenty bucks off. Anyway, but we're
1: making a margin that, that we feel comfortable, you know, and, and personally that I feel comfortable with. Yep. One thing that we'll do is when we have a new set coming out, we will take pre-orders at a much cheaper price. The reason for doing that is, let's say that. Um, Let's say that somebody wants to buy a case. Well, if they want to buy a case from us, we'll give them, we'll often match other case prices before a set comes out, but we make them pay ahead of time. We have the money that we've got the money ahead of time. We have the money already. All we're getting is profit. We're not sitting there hoping that we're selling something for, you know, 99 that just hoping we're going to make that. $15 or whatever it is because then we can order the same amount to keep on the shelf that we would order anyways. Right. Ultimately, we got to figure that these people are, if they're looking to buy a case, they're going to buy a case from whoever's going to give them that case price. So we're willing to do something like that before it comes out. But once it hits the market and it hits the shelf, it's the price that it is and it's not going to change. So we will make exceptions in some instances, but it's almost always before the product is actually out. Mm Mm-hmm so that's magic for you and and we could go on about this a lot but i think the only the only reason that we brought it up again was we just heard earlier tonight a good deal of ranting by not ranting i should ranting sounds like a bad thing uh we uh, complaining frustrations frustrations about um a, another store owner who was saying how, how magic basically was he, he you know stole his life from him and uh, when he was at his store and uh, I again, my my advice would be: if it's not worth doing, then don't do it. People are going to tell you you're leaving money on the table. Maybe you are, but if if the the cost benefit analysis shows that your sanity is worth more than the extra seventy five dollars you're going to make a week for magic, then don't do it.
0: Yeah, and you know, according to that one gentleman, we're leaving tons of profit on the table by not doing massive Yu Gi Oh. Events. But oh my gosh. You know what? It's not, it's just not us. We've,
1: we've had, but again, it, that's why
0: we've said every market, everyone's going to tell you something different. And in the
1: downtown Chicago market, apparently there's a huge Yu Gi Oh fan base. Out here, we've tried to run it. We have tried, tried, tried to run Yu Gi Oh. What did we get out of it? We got a guy who was smoking a joint in the bathroom. We got a guy who put a cigarette out on the floor. Um, we, I mean, we just, we didn't get anything out of it that, made me want to run it at all. We The, the few people that we did get were cheapskates. Uh, those types of people that I mentioned before who were coming over, oh, I could get a box of this somewhere else. If you won't match it, I won't buy it here. But they just spent four hours sitting at our tables, um, not spending a dime, throwing garbage on the ground. Well, okay, we're not doing Yu-Gi-Oh! anymore. You know, it's, it's not worth our time to do it. Um, we tried it. It didn't work. So we're smart enough to cut it off and... Mm-hmm. Say so maybe we are leaving a little bit of money on the table, but that cost benefit analysis, what does it tell us? It's not worth the the extra effort is going to exceed the amount of revenue that we feel comfortable with. Yep. Plain and simple.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anything else you want to toss in?
1: Um, Pokemon is Pokemon is I'll be honest with by and large, pretty great. Um Pokemon requires less... I can't believe I'm saying this. Pokemon requires a lot less babysitting than Magic, even though it skews younger. We like Pokemon a lot. Pokemon lends itself towards a lot more impulse buys than Magic does. You'll have parents that it will bring their... And we're lucky enough to be in, in a relatively well-off area where you'll have parents that will bring their kids in and say, you can pick three Pokemon cards out of the case, and we have a case of, like, EXs and GX Pokemon cards that are anywhere from 3 to $40, and they'll just grab, you know, $25 worth of cards out, and their parents will buy them for them, and they'll take them to school and trade them or whatever, but they don't care. Magic, you don't really get that. We don't have a lot of kids that are into Magic, whereas Pokemon is, is a recognizable brand to an entire demographic. And... You can go to Target, and you can go to Walmart, and you can go to Kohl's even, um, and you can buy Pokemon packs or boxes or whatever, but you can't buy singles. So we offer a service that none of those other places can provide, and that, for us, is where we make the bulk of our money, is selling Pokemon
0: singles. The other benefit to Pokemon is that it's kind of a, a gateway, in some respects, where we have... Some uh, of our Pokemon players who get to a certain age and they want to try something that's a little bit more involved. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they'll start to migrate up to Magic. You know, we've gotten a couple that have done that. And so it's it's one of those games where it kind of lends itself to a younger demographic yeah. due to the character recognition as well as the rules. But it's also a springboard for some into the next level if they want to try and take it a little bit deeper.
1: That's true. Um, and again, we don't mean, or I don't especially mean to come off as like, Trashing gamers or anything. No, I'm, not I'm at trying all. not to do that. But my point being, selling comic books is you have people that are just as picky and finicky and require just as much time and effort and service as if you run magic events. The difference is those are generally the people that come in and they end up leaving after spending $2,000. So, I hate to keep going back to the cost benefit, but if you, you 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 graph it out, uh, 45 minutes spent with, as as we call them, Silver Age, uh, he's gonna leave with a hell of a lot more, and you're gonna leave with a lot more, or you're gonna have a lot more in your pocket when he leaves than that same 45 minutes put in with some magic guy who's looking for some uncommon and now you have to dig through 90 bins to find it, and then he checks. TCG player and sees it's a 14 cent card and you want 25 cents and then he doesn't buy it. You know, it's a trade off. We just make a lot more money on back issues and comics. And that's where we choose to prioritize the amount of time and energy and knowledge that goes into the store. That again, doesn't mean that we don't run gaming. We just are a comic store that does gaming, not a gaming store that also sells comics.
0: And I think to that end though, it's also very important to note that we are a comic store that. As you said from the get-go, the whole point of the store is 51% or more of our income should come off of comics. Right. We are not wholly dependent on gaming to make profit, mm-hmm. whereas some stores rely on it. Well, now, even Yu-Gi-Oh!, even though we don't run any events, we've pretty much...
1: I put a strict non-buying policy on Yu-Gi-Oh! cards six months ago. Uh, we occasionally sell some, the reason being that we have packs... Yep. Now we get the the three different pack selections that we have. We probably I mean, I haven't gotten anything new for at least six months. But every once in a while, we'll sell maybe two, three packs a month of Yu-Gi-Oh! cards or per set, I should say. Uh, so nine or ten total a month. It's a little bit extra income. I'm not going to cut it out because people will look for Yu-Gi-Oh! It's still a recognizable brand. It's just not anything that we're going to go whole hog into or, or attempt to cater to. We offer a small selection of the product, and for us, it's all we need to do. It's not an all-or-nothing thing for a store. Just because magic – now, when I say to go to a store and and tell them that you're not looking to to do magic anymore, I mean you're not running events. Right. You can still buy the product from any distributor. Still sell the packs. Correct. And there's no reason not to have that stuff. People, a lot of times, will just come in and do it, or it's an impulse thing. Somebody's picking up their, their comics on the way to the gaming store. Maybe because they're already making a transaction, they'll buy, a, I don't know, a, a bundle or a, a trainer, elite trainer box from you because you have it on the shelf. It doesn't mean that you shouldn't carry the product. Having varied product is the most important thing that you can have. But if, if you decide that you want to be a product-based store, and the service side of things is not adding up for you, then don't offer the service. Yep. Because ultimately it's going to save your sanity and it's going to probably save you money in the long run. Yep. And if you can replace that space that's being taken up with saleable product, you probably can make more money. It's a matter of finding out and identifying where your money is coming coming from, where your income is coming in.
0: Yeah, and to that end, you know, don't don't double down on a bad thing. Mm-hmm. Right. If you are getting a certain amount of – let's just use magic as a, an example. If you're getting a certain amount of product in, you're not seeing the, the income that you want off of it. You're not seeing the revenue. Um, don't double down and bring in more expecting to double the revenue if you double the expense or things like that because mm-hmm. what you're going to end up doing is most stores have a finite market for stuff. And if you're not making money or you're uh, just making a very little amount of money – With Magic the Gathering, doubling down on it and bringing in more is not going to guarantee you more sales. What it's going to do is guarantee you more expense.
1: Now, there's two... Okay, but there are two more things to go into here. I guess we're not done. Uh, First off... These people are getting a bonus episode because it's like extra length. Warhammer is a great example of that where the only reason we started it, we've said this before, so I won't harp on it, is because I like Warhammer. It was not carried before... We had maybe two or three people that came in uh, that that played Warhammer that that play it now, you know. Uh, otherwise, everyone else that plays Warhammer in the store now got there organically from us offering the product. Uh, I'll say a couple of our favorite players, Simon, is a great example. Not only is he a super nice guy, but he came in having never played it or painted a figure before, and he just kind of heard about it and thought it was something he'd be interested in. Starts buying product. Two years later, he's the best painter out of everybody here, far and away. I mean, the guy's uh, damn near painting at pro level, uh, and he loves it, and he's always buying new stuff. Um, he, he just picked it up because he, he walked in wanted. he was curious to know about it, and I happened to know enough to sell him on it. And now it's it's our most successful gaming line that we offer. But Warhammer was something where we didn't have any – quantifiable way to really track or to guess what our market might be on it. So we took a leap and it worked out, but it only worked out because I knew the product and I was able to kind of put a personal spin on selling it to people. If you don't have that, I mean if we were Chris, the old owner of the store, trying to sell people on Warhammer, he doesn't know what to say to them. You know, and and he did try to I think for a little while he tried to bring it in and he did brought in the wrong stuff. He brought in like a bunch of terrain and stuff, weird stuff. If you don't know how to cater to to the people that you're trying to sell it to, then it might not be worth doing, you know, and, and you might look into it, but if it's something where you can't you truly believe you can't sell the product, then maybe you don't try to sell it. Right. But just because you don't know what the interest is doesn't mean that you shouldn't at least give it a shot or investigate if it's out there. How what are the ways to do that? Well, from my perspective, uh with with a marketing degree. Uh, and Logistics. That's Global Supply Chain Procurement. Hence <laughs> the name of the, uh, the episode. episode. Um, you, have, you can do research. You can do all sorts of research into what the market is. You can look on Facebook groups. You can look on... You can go to message boards and you can do uh, some Warhammer... I mean, a lot of message boards have this. You can search. You can do a search based on state. You can even sometimes do a search based on a city. You could set something up, uh, on Craigslist. You can do an eBay search, go to eBay and search for people that are buying Warhammer within a 15 mile vicinity of the, the area code that you want to, or the zip code that you want to open your business in. And if it comes up with 19 results, maybe it's not such a good idea. If you do a search like that and it comes up with, you know, 590 sales in the last three months, then you might start knowing that there's a market for that product in your area. There's a lot of different ways that you can go about doing that. You could look at Games Workshop's uh, store tracker to find out how, you know, what's the next closest store? Because if there's a store, let's say that you go on Games Workshop's uh, store locator and the next closest store is 90 miles away from you, and you've got two or three population centers in between that place and you, there's a market there. There is a market there for that product. You know that that's there. It's on you to to capture them and get them in to spend money and and retain them. But you can figure this stuff out. You just have to do a little research into it. Just putting the product on a shelf and standing there looking at it with your arms crossed and saying, yeah, this is going to do it. It's not going to do it. You have to. Uh You have to look it up yourself and do the research. Now, the other thing I wanted to get to, a lot of stores do something that is very frowned upon, but people still frequent them anyways because of it. And these are gaming stores I'm talking about. Do you know what that is? They charge for open gaming. If you want to come in and use a table, they charge a fee for it. Right, table rate. And yet, the people complain, but they still go and do it. Why is that,
0: Eric? Do you know? Can you guess? The only guesses that I have is because, especially for a game like Warhammer, it can take a sizable amount of space. Oh, it can. So that's there's not a
1: chance in heck. Heck, keep it PG. G. My wife would let me have five people over to the house to set up a giant Warhammer game in the living. Maybe in the summer I could put it in the sunroom, but in the living room, I mean, you just can't do it. It's not feasible to have that much stuff stored in your house. Uh, and running events like that when you have a store you can keep it in it.
0: It's true. Okay. But you were going to say. The only other thing I could think of is if you personally don't own the terrain.
1: No, but I'm I'm not just talking about Warhammer. I'm talking about maybe a place in Milwaukee that if you want to go in and bring your board game in to play at their tables, you have to pay $10 an hour. Um, and And we hear people complain about it all the time. But they still go. What is the reason for that?
0: Yeah, I mean central meeting place. If someone's in Grafton and someone's in South Milwaukee, meeting in downtown Milwaukee's in the middle. I don't know. You go to Starbucks; it's free there. (laughs) Yeah, but then you got to deal with all those people.
1: Well, either way, my (laughs) my point is, people complain about it's a huge. It's like a vocal. Might might even be a vocal majority. You know, I don't. I don't know. But people complain about the places that you have to pay to play, and I don't mean buying into a, a Magic or Pokemon draft. I mean. You want to bring a board game in and sit down, maybe even a board game you bought there and played at a table. You have to pay to do it, but they still do it. There is money to be made in certain areas for certain businesses that charge pay-to-play. We don't do it at all because I think if we offered it, nobody would
0: do it. The only time that we had talked about it was somebody wanted to come in and run some other type of event that we don't normally do. I can't remember what it was. And that would entail keeping a staff member here. And so... Well, I what mean, yeah, we had anything said after was, hours. Yeah, if we right. wanted to do that, it would cost... There would be a, a fee to cover <laughs> oh, the Oh, you know what that of, was?
1: We had another... There's another game store that, for whatever reason, shut down for like a week.
0: That's right. In the
1: general proximity. And the guy that ran their D&D uh, called us every... They ran D&D there every Saturday. And he said, yeah, we just we were going to come over and bring our D&D group over there on... Uh, Saturday at seven o'clock, and we're like, okay, well, we close at eight. It's like, well, can't you stay open? Well, if you pay us, we're going to yeah. stay open. We're not going to stay open until 11 o'clock so you can hang out in here with your friends because your store that, you know, because you normally don't frequent us. Uh, it's nice of you to want to come in, but we're not going to give three hours of staffing with, with no uh, with no money coming into us to do it. So we had, we. I mean, I don't even remember what we said, but they never showed up. You know, so that's an instance where they they wanted not just table space, but they wanted us to keep the store open later. And right? They,
0: we're not doing it. That's that's the time where you, I, I feel like it's justified. Right. It's outside the normal business hours. But
1: again, that's that's an, another thing that a lot of people don't get is you can say no, mm-hmm. and it doesn't mean that you've made a, made a bad business decision. Uh, saying no sometimes is the right thing to do. It, just because you lose customers coming in, again, we don't know. Those people might have come in and they may have bought a full set of D&D books and dice and a bunch of miniatures from us. But they also might not have because they're at a game store every week and they have those options anyways. So they're probably not. And it's not worth that gamble for us and that risk. So we just decided not to do it. Yep. But And and the other thing is besides paying the extra three hours of of staffing, there's just the other costs. We have lights on, you know, for longer and heat, <laughs> heat, right? If it's in the summer, we, we got to pump the AC. Uh, there are there are costs associated with everything. So, uh, my point: if you if you if you want to do something like that, there definitely could be a market for the pay to play. But make sure you're not alienating people tread lightly. That, correct. Yeah. Figure out when and with what type of game and what type of product it's worth charging. If you just do a blanket fee to do it, you, you better make sure that you're in an area and that you have a demographic that's willing to pay it.
0: Yeah, and, you know, we've, we've kicked around. People have said, you know, we'd like to come in and maybe play a board game or try a board game on a Sunday afternoon, and it's kind of like, well, you know, if we're open and the tables are open.
1: Oh, or here's another one that we had. These people wanted to come in and run a demo for their new board game that they were setting up and I thought that's cool okay they're, they're and we're not talking this is not like Fantasy Flight that wanted to do this this was a somebody was like self printing their, their own game so we're like sure so they come in and they ask how many copies of their game that we want to have in stock uh, for them to well I mean they show up like this and they go how many copies would you like to have in stock for the demo I was like I don't know how many did you bring and they're like well we brought about 10 copies I said okay and then they start like punching something up on their phone, like, all right, well, that's like two hundred some dollars. What? I'm like, yeah, to have them in stock, we we run the demo, you buy the product, and then you get the, the full um, profit from it. And I was like, no. I said, the whole point is you're coming in here to demo your product, and if we sell one, we'll, we'll buy it from you, and and you know, or whatever you, they can come up and buy it from us. We'll split it fifty fifty. I said, we're not. Just buying 10, you know, we're not going to buy 10 more of your games and we have Settlers of Catan on the shelf. And they they didn't get that. They just didn't understand it. And finally got to the point where I said, okay, uh, tell you what, you run your game. Um, We're not interested in buying any of your product. Keep whatever you make and it's all profit for you. It's all, you know, and, and they were pissed. And guess what? They stuck around for like two hours and they didn't sell a thing. So don't don't let yourself get bullied into letting people like that because that that happens a lot. I've heard other stores talk about it. If somebody wants to run a demo, that's great. You're doing them a service by letting them come into your store. Right. Again, unless Steve Jackson wants to come in and run Munchkin for you, maybe then you buy it. Uh, but other than that, don't don't let the the demoers you know bully you into buying untested product. Hmm. You know what we should call this one is the non-comic episode. That's right. Could work. It could. Do we have any other non-comic book or gaming related questions? Is that
0: mostly it? I think that covers it, and that's where we're going to draw the line. Because I didn't even drink two beers during this whole thing. Well, it's because you were talking a lot, which is fine. You didn't either? Oh, you did. Okay. <laughs> I had a lot of time to listen. Damn it. No, it's fine. Um I, so, our quest is to try and do one episode a week for the month of November, if we mm-hmm, can. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, that's what we're shooting for. They're not all going to be this long. How long was this one? Hour and a half. Huh. <laughs> Which well, that's cool. is about a half hour longer than what they normally run for us. And, and this is actually something James and I have talked about. Uh, was the last recording or the one before, where we just have this natural innate ability to end right around an hour, so which is kind of weird. <laughs> I don't know why that is, but it is. Um, I think
1: we're all wiped out and our natural clocks are off from the past week or um, so. We'll do. We're gonna do. Uh, we have a couple ideas for a yeah signing. Uh, recap. Got a recap so, one.
0: We've got tick a teaser. We've got a grading one.
1: Oh my yeah my grading. My long, long teased grading yep. uh, podcast, or, or I should say the follow-up to the first grading podcast, is finally going to be able to um, to be at an end. One of my favorite jokes ever is, uh, you know, my favorite comedian, Norm MacDonald, was doing a, uh, he was on, I don't know, like Letterman or somebody, and he was doing a joke, of, maybe it was Conan O'Brien, about, uh, there was this right when that su- Sully, Captain Sully, you know who I'm talking about? Yep. When he lands, he landed the plane, the Miracle on the Hudson. And uh, Norm said, ah, you know, I was I was uh, doing a, a movie about him uh, a couple of years ago already. And he's like, you were doing a Conan. So you were doing a movie about Sully Sullenberger, whatever his name is, uh, before the Miracle on the Hudson. He's like, yeah, you know, it didn't have a real good ending or something. And finally, I got a good ending for it, you know. And that was kind of the joke. And he had like a mock movie that he did. But the whole joke was, you know, what the hell are you making a movie for? And now he's finally – he was so worried about the end. Now he's finally got an ending because of the plane landing. I feel like my whole grading podcast that I've been working on, uh, I was given such a gift of an end to it in the form of the CBCS buyout that uh, I'm going to be able to wrap the whole thing up with a bow. I've got some some data that I've been working on for a while. I've got some great comparisons some grading comparisons, some cost comparisons, uh, some complaints, some praise, and lots and lots of comments. So uh, I want to get to that one. We'll probably get to that this month then, once I can get all my
0: data put together and printed out. and Tabulate. Yeah, so that should be fun. That'll be one where I do the intro, click record, and then walk away for an hour and a half and come back.
1: You could, although I know the way I have it planned is a lot of
0: General questions. So
1: curious to uh, to hear what you think about some things, even though we've kind of talked about it. Okay. And then the other one that we have kind of uh, that we've been banding about is uh, one that will have us taking a back seat to several other people answering sure. questions. So uh, that may or may not come out this month.
0: Yep. And I think before we kind of close up shop here, literally and uh, figuratively, for the night, uh, what I would like to say is that if Anyone who's out there, um, you know, feel free to share this podcast with other people. It's at the end of the day, it's the two of us just sitting here talking about stuff, and you know, we're offering suggestions, telling you what works for us and what hasn't worked for us, or experiences we've had, things like that, um, as a means to try and help better the entire community. We know that there's a couple of uh, industry talking heads that like to, you know, bring up both important items, but then also feel free to sling some mud left and right when they Mm -hmm. want to about stuff. And that's not really what we're about. Uh, we want to be honest. We want to be truthful about our experiences, but we also really strive to try and put both a, you know, if there's, if there's a negative point, we try to show the positive to it as well because No matter what industry you're in, no matter what walk of life you're in, no matter what is going on, there's always going to be something negative, Mm -hmm. but there's always going to be positives too. And so, where there's negatives where, um, you know, NECA and their shipping can be a, a problem, the positive is you wait long enough and those items that you want, like you were saying, James, you don't necessarily have to buy that case that's going to have both the aliens and the humans. You know, so there's a positive to be found there. And it's just making sure that. You know, Is that
1: going to be the description of the episode? You don't have to buy the aliens and the
0: humans, just the aliens. Yeah, but um I think it's just important. And and when we first started this podcast, it really spun out of um, ultimately John Mayo's comic book page, and uh, more than not, Drew and Kyle's uh, comics for fun and profit with their Ask a Retailer segment that we've done. And when we conceived of the podcast, we just thought, you know, there's a there's an area in the industry that hasn't been. Necessarily covered and we don't give away everything because there's certain things that we can't give away. And if there
1: has been, we don't know about it and we'd like to know, but I don't, right. I don't know if there is.
0: But what we kind of just feel like we can provide is maybe some insight into what to, you know, relatively, um, young and, and new and really attractive. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. And, and Drew can verify that. Um, you know, retailers to this space can provide, uh, we've been blessed with, you know, good, good luck, good fortune, and, uh, but a lot of time. I mean, we, you and I, and even Sam, we put in a lot of time, oh, yeah. both in the shop easy, and outside easy. of the shop. Uh, we're always talking about it, always looking at it. And, um, you know, so if I, if I guess what I'm trying to say is that we feel like what started off as just a couple of guys chatting has become a little bit more than that. And there may be some information here that is worth sharing with more people. So, you know, you know what I what I always want to get out of it is somebody who opens a
1: store someday and was like, eh, "I heard you guys talking, and then, uh, I took some stuff out of it, and uh, we're doing well." That would be that would be the coolest thing. Yeah, I mean, we don't we don't you know we, we don't really need we don't want anything out of this. You know, no, I don't think. In fact, we're not looking for compensation on, or sponsorship or anything. Let's go on the record. Can we say if? we were ever offered some kind of sponsorship that we would not take it?
0: We won't. Absolutely we not. not. No, no, we won't. We don't need it. Um, not
1: not banking on us not, and then somebody has to call our bluff. <laughs> like, seriously, we just wouldn't do it. Right. Just Because I don't want to be beholden. You don't want to be beholden to anyone. We don't want to be beholden no. to um, having to,
0: to tout some product that we may not believe in. Or I don't care what razor you use. I don't care where you get your sheets oh from. I God. don't care what mattress you sleep on um that's okay or even where you get your what mail order food service you use
1: gonna give us a discount uh on grading to to be honest we're just gonna yeah we're not gonna do that we're gonna talk about what we think and that's that as i've got the uh,
0: cgc guy over here in a suit with a gun pointed at me it's a nice suit it is anyways so uh i think that'll wrap it up for this episode so for james and myself we will uh, talk to you on the next episode. Goodbye. On behalf of all of us, thank you for listening to this episode of Cowcast. You can find us on all the main social media outlets, including Facebook at Facebook.com slash on Twitter at IncrediCow, or on Instagram at Cowabunga comics. To send an email to us directly, send it to podcast at cowabungacomics.com or to join in the discussion, you can hop on our new Cowabunga Comics forum at comics. that's cowbunga with a K, dot com.